poor quality housing is just one of the realities of living in rural Northland. For many of our hokainga, the pride and sense of identity associated with living on their own whenua is often coupled with the challenges of keeping their whare warm, dry and safe for their whanau. Here, as you walk into the kitchen, I had a couple of jacks underneath the house here because that was a bit unstable, so that the fridge would wobble and the stove would wobble. And so as... have the piles rotted away or something like that? I don't know. It's not the piles because the house has only been here for 10 years. It was oh, actually okay. the actual boards. Might have been the barriers or the, the joists if it's not the posts themselves. Yeah, it's not these ones. It was the ones that underneath, Run the, across? underneath the house. Yeah. Oh, so and had they, they rotted or they just were um, not rotted. good in the beginning? They were rotted. Oh. They were rotted. Like there was one that went along here, I think, and it was just totally rotten and it went one along here. So you had to replace that with the car jacks? Yes, here. this whole floor is being replaced, but prior to that, it was three jacks along here, I think maybe three to four jacks, and that was just holding it up. Tēnā koutou katoa, no mai haere mai ki te Indigenous Urbanism, Aotearoa edition, episode two. I'm your host, Jake Kake, and this is Indigenous Urbanism. Stories about the spaces we inhabit and the community drivers and practitioners who are shaping those environments and decolonizing through design. On this episode of Indigenous Urbanism, we visit Mihiata Terore no Tūria Ho at her whare on ancestral Māori land in Kaihu, located in the Kaipara district of Tiatai Tukiro. Patrick Gemmel reports. Ko Mihiata Terore Ahau, ko Kaihu Tūturu Kainga. Ko Kaihu te Awa, ko Maunganui te Maunga, ko Ripiro te Moana, te Roro te Iwi. I guess we want to start off with you know, whereabouts are we are in the world and a little bit of your upbringing here in Kaihu? Yeah, I'm in Kaihu. We're about 30k, 30k north of Dargaville and more or less at the foot of the Waipa Forest that's going towards north. I was apparently born and raised here sort of come away from down the line from Tokoru and came here when I was about six. My father brought us home, nine of us, all nine children, and I was sort of raised here in the area and um, got older, moved away. And father passed away first and then we all sort of moved away, got married, and some of us came home and some of us didn't. And I decided about ten years ago I was coming home. Coming home is one thing, but you know, coming home to where your ancestors have been brought up and back to your own Māori land, you know, how, how important was it to you to come back to that as well? Oh, it was very important. That was one of my main feelings to come home. You just could feel it. Because it's ancestral land. This goes back to, I must be the fifth, sixth generation. I've got grandchildren, and they've all been here as well. So the land here, is, the chief was here was Tarore. And from Tarore, he came down from Taho and that's one of the rangatira for this area, uh, for Tiroro, and from Tao Tirore, which is my tūpuna, and from him was Raniera, and he's buried over here. Now, that's the third chief down, and this is my great-grandfather. So my grandfather was raised here, my father was raised here, I've been raised here, I've raised my children here. So that's, that's quite a... That's a major legacy to me, <laughs> and to actually be able to come home and be here. What were some of the motivating things that really drove you to come back and, and put this whare back on the land? And then when you did that, what were some of the issues that you, that you ran into? If I go back to almost 30 years ago, I'm 55 this mm. year. I would have been 16, 17 years old when I eventually left this area, got married mm. and then came back. There was only the homestead and another relative way down there, his house down there. These were the only houses here. These ones in between, the one over there, they weren't here. They weren't here. But as the years went by, Fano came home, and it just felt that sense of belonging. 
the need to come home, because my father passed away, and the need to come home was stronger as I got older and my kids started to get older and my mukapuna arrived. That was the need that pulled me home. And be part of the, the valley, to be part of the land. Like that bush up there, I still remember years um, when we were children and our father would take us through there and we were all self-sustained. We didn't buy butter, we made butter. We didn't buy milk, we made our milk. We didn't need meat, our meat was here. Orchards would have orchards over here, would have gardens down there and gardens across the road and that was from watermelon, corn, everything was grown from the land and you don't have that anymore. I want to try and be sustainable, but it's really difficult when you're on your own. But it was an amazing lifestyle. We had an amazing lifestyle. I think, wow, my parents, you know, the nine children would go to the bush and um, get manuka, and that was our main heating source. Cooking source was through the old wood range, and, and so it was important to have firewood all the time. It was like sun up to sun down. You didn't stop. And my dad was like that. He was. He didn't stop. So a lot of early memories are still with you now. Yes. And obviously you've come home to rekindle a lot of those memories. And I, and I guess something we, that we spoke about in, in the whare, which a lot of people have been or have benefited from, is the housing repair program that's been administered by Te Uriho and, and Te Puni Kōkiri and others in terms of their input into it. Tell us how, you know, how important that's been in terms of your own personal transformation and your whānau transformation. What's it done to you? of the repair program? It just made me feel so good. It gave me confidence that my house is going to you know, stand a little bit longer than... Because the house has been here 10 years. And if I didn't get the help that came to me, there was no way I could afford it. You know my house was on jacks. Yes. That was pretty depressing. I was getting a bit depressed about it, I must admit. started to get a bit low on that. Mm. And when I made the application to, to Puna Kōkiri and you and, mm. and uh, Fai Lin, uh, we came here and um, we gathered a few whānau that would come and it was, um, well, incredible, really, because there, there was nowhere else, there's no way, something like that over there, there's no way I would have chosen a massive water tank like that and to do the roof, the water spouting, everything that they did, I was just overwhelmed. You know, you were spoken briefly about what you're looking to do in terms of a, of a pathway and what you just finished saying is that you're really keen on on doing a building course, has the repair program, has it been a big influence in why you want to do this? Oh, definitely, because there's still things I need to correct. Mm. And it's also so I can help my whānau too that want to come home, because there are other siblings that want to come home, and sort of extend from there. And hopefully, once I learn to use the tools, we can start working to build, maybe extend the house to make it bigger to house as many whānau that want to come home. But it's all about, we're isolated out here. There's not a lot of work. If, if there is work, it's back-breaking work. Yeah. It's um, labouring work. You know, got the kumara gardens, got the sawmill, um, agriculture, farming and that. Um, yeah. Uh, the other, one, one of the other questions I, um, I wanted to, to mention around uh, the repair programme, how has the community received the news that potentially if we look to advocate for repair programmes of this nature, how do you think they'll feel about it, considering that they've actually seen the before and after of your house? And then they realise that, I mean, this is actually a real thing. If we are able to get more of this done through the community, how do you think the community will feel? Oh, I think they'd, I think they'd be really happy. There's a few houses, because over there, 
the other one down there, the other one opposite, there's three already. And that's only down here. I think there's another one, four. And there must be a few more up past the, at the Kaihu um, settlement. Yeah. Uh, the community, their expectations now, yeah. and this is what I mean, the expectations, because I've seen the mahi done on my whare, and their expectations of my turn, what about me? This is what's been said in the community, whānau waiting, waiting, you know, te puna kōkiri. I've told the whānau here that, yes, te puna kōkiri are, uh, are there to speak to, but you, they do wānanga now. Even the, the process is different this time. You have to do a wānanga over there to find out what the needs are of the community, and you go as a community. And that's what I mean, whānau. It's hard to go from here to there because a lot of us have trouble with transport. That's a problem. And just, um, no, the expectations of the, of the community here are high because of what they've seen done here. When they send the diggers, they send the truck come up here every day. That's some um, ATS um, carpenters were here. Then they send the digger. Then they send the water tank. It was like, oh, my gosh, she's getting all this work done and it's all through TPK and Tewiriaho. And the need is great. It's fair to say the need is great. So, yes, the need is great. For instance, our Komatra units over here, nobody could live in them. There was not safe place for them to go. It wasn't until we got the funding from Te Puna Kōkiri and the mahi was done. Now now each unit, there's four units there, and they're all filled up now. And whānau are happy there. It's comfortable, it's lovely, carpeted. And, yeah, it's neat. It's cool. <laughs> I want to go over there and just line the carpet. It's so lovely and soft. It's nice. After the kōrero with Patrick... Mihi showed me around her whare. Now, I had a shower unit here, but this is a brand new, nice glass, see-throughs, all that's been done, a toilet, and that's been, the, uh, actually, that's been a real bonus because it's a dual toilet, like, you know, you're half flush, full flush. What was that like before? It was just a full flush. Ah, like, so a lot water. of water was going out, um, and I always have to worry about my little water tank out here because it's only, I, I think it's, I don't even know how big that water tank out here is, but... It was always a worry about making sure the water tank was full. Because, Do you ever run out? Oh, yes, I used to run out a, a bit over here on this, oh, on this okay. water tank here, but because I have access to the wall water that I was talking about, mm. and we do have access to it because that's our entitlement. Mm. We're entitled to that. We won't, we won't be told not to, to collect water from our, our natural spring mm. from anybody. And so this was done, and that was a wash basin, and he did... I, I, he did the ceiling. Are you talking about the wall before? Was the and the wall, yes, because I used to have a little un, a little a wash basin here, but it was just a waste of time, was and it was in the way. So they removed that, covered everything over new boards, and I believe there's he also put bats in that, and also he replaced that because that was sagging. This the ceiling was sagging, and just above the toilet here, just a little area, and he replaced that. I'll go into the kitchen. And here, as we walk into the kitchen, there were, I had a couple of jacks, two jacks underneath the house here because that was a bit unstable so that the fridge would wobble and the stove would wobble because this part of the house would move. You know, you walk past and wobble and everything would just wobble. Oh, I noticed that for about three, might have been three to four years, it started to worsen and uh, the jacks stabilised it for another year and a bit. About two years, so it's lovely to walk through here. And you know, if you walked over here, you, you walk into here, it's sort of it was okay, but you could see the fuel, it wasn't stable. 
and I'll worry and worry. Sink bench, cupboards. Oh, was it? I had a stainless steel bench here, but but oh, just it was just so um, you know over it, just over it. It had to be replaced because they're just old wooden boards. You know, you open the cupboard and the handle would fall off. And oh, I know I sort of had little little bit, bits of pieces holding it together. Yeah. And uh, oh, a whole range. He got a whole range in there. Yeah, but he did a massive job. He got this whole floor. He just cut it right out. It was amazing watching him work. I never seen him work so so quick. And look at it now, much better. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> I was just so happy. I was just so happy. They just did so much for me that there's no way that I would have been able to do any of this by myself. Financially, there was just no way. And, and coming now, if you come outside and, you, and what they've done, they did the water spouting, so that's with the new roof. And that's my water tank I had here, and that would supply me and my family. That supplied us for about the last 10 years until this arrived last year. And now you've got no, no problems with the water? No problems with the water. Just amazing. And then, we, and then there's the new septic tank. The one that I did have, the lid had smashed and it was just so unhygienic, you know, just not safe unhealthy. and unhealthy. And then they put the digger in and put a, a new one in where you can see the top end of the, of the septic top there. Mm. I was just so happy. It was oh, just so blown away. I just tell you. How many times they got down and just thanked God, I don't know how many times they did. Just thanked them for such a great blessing. Because it was, to me it was a blessing because these people have helped me, the government had helped me. Mm. Through the Central Housing and Infrastructure Repair Program, delivered by Her Iwi to Uria Ho and funded by Tupuni Kōkiri, the Ministry of Māori Development. Te Uria Ho seek to support the communities within their rohe so that future generations have a decent and affordable place to live. Within the Kaipura district, there are still many homes, like Mahi's, which require urgent and essential repairs. That's what we've found definitely in Kaipara. We've had a lot of whanau come back from Australia because I've had to, and whanau come back from Auckland because they can't afford to live there anymore. So they've moved back to the Papakainga with big families. So that creates a whole lot of social issues around overcrowding, there's health, there's mental health because they get depressed because they don't have what they had in the cities. The kids aren't used to it, the kids aren't used to living because they weren't raised back by their marae on their whenua, they were raised in the city, so there's a lot of issues around that. So you get into the social issues and mental health issues around depression, drugs and alcohol and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, there has been a big change with a lot of our whanau moving back and the housing just isn't adequate. Firstly, the houses weren't maintained over the years anyway because our whanau didn't have the money. And now on top of that, they're bringing back their families and living in these inadequate homes with overcrowding. We've had a few that have actually come back and they're having to, they've got tents living on their whenua because they can't find the house. A lot of our whanau that are coming through the door are looking for housing and that there just isn't anything out there, especially not in the kaupara. We spoke with Tanya Moriarty from Turia Ho. Tanya is the tangata lead of the social service team, with Kaimahi based in Whangarei, Dargaville and Kaiwaka. Her team is responsible for delivery of the tribe's housing programs. Ko tangihu te maunga, wairua te awa, tangiturorea te marae, te parafau te hapu, nga te whātua te iwi, te taha o tōku whaia, 
tukutuka te maunga, kaipare te moana, nā tai whakarungarua te marae, te uri o hau te apu, nā te whātua te iwi. Ko Tania Moriati a hau. Tūri hau settled their claim in 2002, October 2002, I think it might be the 17th even. Our rohe is quite big, so it go, we go as far as te hana, a mangawhai across to te arau, mangawhai, back up to rua wai, not quite Dagwell, but Pautō. Yeah, quite a big stretch. Oruafaro, yeah, all around there. So, yeah, it's quite a big area. A last count, I think they said it was 7,800 beneficiaries. Yeah, all across, so, and growing. So we did have a, the Māori Housing Network Essential Repairs contract. It was great, it was great. So we were contracted to do up to 30 homes, and we actually did 37 in the budget. Tight, tight, right to the last penny. And it was good. It, it was great. There's still a lot of homes, though, that we couldn't get to. Yeah. I mean, you know, really grateful. And the fun are really, really grateful for the repairs. But, I mean, it was quite sad going into some of our homes and seeing the state that they were actually in. Loved the contractors. So, I mean, that's good, you know. And it is hard because you go out there, you do the work, and then you get a lot of others that will contact because they heard that, you know, their whanau had got work and they didn't know about and all that sort of stuff. I mean... You know, how far do you, I mean, we, we spread the word as far as we could, but we're only limited on in terms of funding and what we could do. I mean, 45k per house actually wasn't enough a lot of times. You know, there were repairs up to 100,000. So that is part of the feedback we gave, you know, like at what point do we actually put on a whole new, you know, you can get homes moved on there for less than that, you know, <laughs> for less than 100k. So you're just sort of patching up. And I know we're not there to renovate the whole house, you know, whole house and make it all pretty and everything. But I mean, actually, these were essential. But I mean, you know, what we did do, the whanau are so grateful. A lot of learnings that, you know, next time we know. The hardest thing, I suppose, for us in the kaipara was finding contractors. I suspect it'll be the same for up north and mid-north. My dream was to those that get repairs done through us with the funding, that we sit down with them and do a maintenance plan going forward. But we just didn't have the time. You know, we were pushed for time because it was hard for us to get an adequate project manager to manage them. And then it was the delays we were in getting the contractors, getting plumbers, getting the builders, getting, you know, electricians, because a lot of them were working in Auckland, you know? And I mean, are they going to give up a million dollar contract for a 20K, 30K, you know, sort of thing? So. But then we had some contractors that really came on board and gave us priorities, which has been fantastic. But then it stopped. So, you know, they're sort of like, is there any work coming sort of thing, you know? Or, and I said to them, guys, you just need to take on, do what you have to do and take on other work because we just don't know what's happening. So they got to feed their whanau and, you know, so with whatever happens next, if there's another contract, you know, then we're back at ground zero again, you know, starting to sort of get our contractors back on because then they would have started other projects. But, you know, that's just how it is. That's, you know, that's it. It's, there's nothing. Just, there's nothing. So you, you need to be looking at other options. Um, and, and, I mean, some of them that have come in like that, that are really in dire, I mean, you know, luckily, like I said, we've got our fun order. Navigators can go in there and try and find other options for them. But, you, I mean, we've got um, different avenues that whānau come into our services. I mean, we've got Family Start, which is zero to five, and so that's about parenting and babies' development and all that sort of stuff, right up to their five if they're needed. So, I mean, if they come in through that door, that's a whole whānau-centred approach. That's looking at baba, when mum's hapu, right up to their five. 
but it's looking at um, educating parents on baby's development and all that growth. Also looking at the health aspects of the whanau. So is the house adequate? Is it warm? Is baby safe within the housing environment? That looks at healthy homes, really. So we deal with the social issues as well as the education of parents, and that encompasses everything. Health, housing, and all that sort of stuff. So they will support them. The social workers will support them through anything that they need for baby. Same with our social worker, if there's housing issues. We've also got a partnership with Manaia PHA with Manawa Order. So any of the homes that we go into, we know that we've got Manawa Order support there that we can link them into. Yeah, if there's mould, there's needs insulation, and or our tamariki getting sick all the time, you know, because we've got that contract with Manaya to do housing assessments. I suppose part of my role as a manager is looking at all those partnerships and those opportunities. And even if they're little, sometimes it's not even about the PT actually that we get from those contracts. But I mean, it's about actually having a service where my social workers can hook whānau into as well. Like Manawara, like the healthy homes, like Te Matarau, having the education part, partial care for some of our parents, you know, to get a qualification. And, and one of our Māori housing whānau that we worked with, we did repairs on their whānau home. Young parents just had twins. He was at North Tech doing the carpentry, way out in Tinapai. And the cart vehicle wasn't safe with the tyres and all that. So he was travelling a long distance just to get the course, plus with their baby. So through another pot of putia that I had, we could assist them to get brand new tyres so that their car was, you know, safe. And so that he could get the course so that he could finish his qualification because he was keen as. And that same whānau, then we were able to hook up with one of our contractors that was doing some repairs for us so that he could get some experience and money, you know? So it's that whole approach, looking at other opportunities that we can get contracts through, yeah, but also that they align actually with what our whānau will need, wrapping all those services around them. So, yeah, and it works. We do have a a vision, a long-term 15-year plan, and what we want is more home ownership. We want our whānau to, to be owners of their own homes. And we have had workshops we've called in our bank that we've used for years and utilised them to have workshops out in the, on our marae for whānau that are wanting to get into home ownership. Uh, Westpac, we've had, yeah, we've had a Westpac do one at Otamatea. And so those are the sorts of things we're looking at. So that whānau are ready. What do they need to do to get into home ownership? So that's been cool. And the other side to that is because we have first right of refusal properties, our partnership with the Crown, we've had a few come through. And so we've been able to get one of our beneficiaries in them, our whānau ready for home ownership. And then when these properties come up, they're ready, you know. Do you want it? You know, but at least they're ready. So we're trying to sort of get them ready before then, you know, start uh, working on them now so that if they come up, we can say, yep, you know, we've got a list of them that have been through that process are ready and just need the bank to say, yep, pre-approval, you know, sort of thing. So that's the plan. We, yeah, we are wanting to get more into home ownership. We just need our whanau to be ready. And we've got quite a few out there that really want to own their own home rather than rent or, yeah, so that's great. My family, we're confident now, we feel confident. It's hard when you're in a house that's falling down around you. You come home to an ancestral land that you've been, you're your tūpuna been, it's like nobody cares. We're lucky to actually have this. this we are lucky. We're lucky to have, we've only got 100 acres left of the original 220,000 acres. We've only got two whānau, mana whenua that are here. That's all, this is all we have. 
and we're lucky to have it. It's like uh, just connection. Thank goodness we've got the Komatra flats here and there's access. Uh, when our Komatra have access and they're living there, that generation, their generation will follow up. And then you're trying to bring all the scattered pieces back and get to mm. know each other again. What keeps that home fire spinning? You need the that, people that, at home. That's right, we need to be home. We need our old people home and their children come home so we all get to meet each other. And that's, that's about... That's how I've found it since since the Komatra flats are now filled up with whanau from whanau Komatra from Auckland. Mm. Brings their families home and our children get to integrate with each other again. And that's what we want, to bring our whanau mm. back to the whenua. Ah, no, I know, I used to be like that. I used to be down in the city before I came home. Yeah. I used to feel so disconnected, mm. even though I was raised here. I was felt disconnected from the land, but I'm so glad I'm home. So important, so important. It is, it is. If you don't have a house here, what are you going to do? You live in a car? No, and people people are living in cars. This is what seems so incredible. People are living in cars in the city. And I feel sorry for them. I feel real aroha for them. I can't imagine a life like that. Because of the um, housing stress, particularly in Auckland, are you getting more whanau who are wanting to move home? When they come home, they think they've got nothing here for them, like work-wise. And so we well, got to make your work. Yeah, you you got to make a job for you. You know... Get find, find ways to be find, That's right. Yeah. Um, Takes but, getting used to, I think, if you've been used to a certain mindset and way of living. Yes, yes. You just think, oh, there's nothing here. Well, that's not true. Yes, yeah. They think, how do I fit in? You know, don't worry about your fit in your home. You don't have. You don't you have, have to, to prove anything. <laughs> you don't have to prove anything. You know, just if you can come home, come home. If you, uh, it's and it just makes us stronger. I think as a whanau, as, as a people out here, as a kapu, because that's what it's all about. Indigenous Urbanism is a production of Tamatapihi. Sandy Wakefield does our sound recording, editing and mixing. Our theme was composed by Thomas Burton. I'm Jay Kake, your host and executive producer. For more information about today's show and other episodes of Indigenous Urbanism, go to indigenousurbanism.net. You can drop us a line at info at indigenousurbanism.net. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a review or rating on iTunes. Coming up next on Indigenous Urbanism... We visit Whangarei, Northland's largest city, and speak with Tohunga Whakairo to Warahi Hetaraka about the role of carvers and visual artists in creatively interpreting our cultural narratives and reinscribing our identity as tangata whenua into the urban fabric. We also talk to two Māori planners who work with Hokainga communities in Whangarei about how together we can decolonise the city through better urban planning. I don't see that Whangarei visually looks like a Māori city. Other than the people, of course. It's not represented in the built environment, and that's sad to me. Yeah, it must be sad for our people, and it must be sad for our tangata whenua. How do they see themselves in the actual city? We make They're saying several things that saying several things along. One of it starts with the environment, but the environment will cease to exist if the mentality of humanity isn't in balance with it.